the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Look at this. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. I'm reading from Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 to 19, Philippians chapter 4. Somebody say Philippians chapter 4. Okay, verse 10 to 19. He said, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Somebody say, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. That at last your care for me has flourished again. Not that I speak in regard to need. I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to be abound and to suffer need. I can do all things. Somebody say, I can do all things. Say, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my districts. You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. Somebody say no church. Say no church. Now, Paul established a lot of churches. The church of Corinth, the Roman church is believed that he was part of it. The church of Ephesus, many of these churches were established through his hands. And he said that of all the churches I established, when it came to the matter of giving and receiving, no other church was involved with it except you, the Macedonian Christians. So you can be in church, you can be a part of everything. Prayer, you day inside. Singing, you day inside. Everything we do, are doing, you day inside. Except giving. That's what Paul is talking about here. He said, every one of them, there were many churches, but none of them participated in anything except you only. Then he says, you didn't just do it one time, but you did it again and again. Somebody say, again and again. Say again and again. Say again and again. Yeah, he said, you did it again and again. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity. He said, I am not coming to you because I am seeking a gift. But I desire that fruit may abound to your account. Indeed, I have all, and I abound, and I'm full, and having received of Epiphanites, the thing sent from me, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God, somebody say, my God. my God. Say, my God. He says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How did it come about? It came about because you were engaged in giving and receiving with me. 
Now, I want you to know that God is more than sufficient. Somebody say, God is more than sufficient. And God can use enemies and anyone to meet his need. Anytime God has had a need, he has always met it in any way, anyhow. There were times he just spoke to fish, fish vomited money. There were times he used a raven to meet a need. When you understand how God does things, you will see his engagement with you as a privilege and not a right. Because if it was a right, then he is putting you on the same right as a raven and as a fish. And I think you will know that you are more important than a fish. Are you not more important than a fish? You are more important than a raven. God used a raven to meet a need. God used a fish to meet a need. God used a widow to meet a need. God can use just anything. The Bible said, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Now, when you understand this, you will appreciate what I'm talking about. Giving will forever be an opportunity for you. Somebody say giving. And you see, I will teach this until every member in our church it becomes a stronghold in your mind. You know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is something you cannot be free from. A stronghold is something that is a mindset that cannot be broken. That's a stronghold. Giving is my opportunity. Somebody say, giving is my opportunity. Say, giving is my opportunity. Yeah. It's your chance to make progress. It's your chance to advance. It's your chance for a change of level. Giving will always be an opportunity. It's never a right for any child of God. And we talked about the fact that giving is our opportunity to manifest the nature of God. Giving is an opportunity to do what? Manifest the nature of God. Giving is an opportunity to demonstrate the love of God for man and for God himself. Today, I just want to touch on, I'll come back to touch on the seven other things I wanted to talk about. But I want to show you five common ways the opportunity to give comes. Because most of the time, opportunities pass by us every day. But we don't see them. We don't see them. Five common ways the opportunity to give comes. Five common ways. Look at what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. The Amplified Version said, So then while you as individual believers have the opportunity, he said, while you individual believers have what? Why you individual have what? The opportunity. He said, let us do good unto all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes your spiritual well-being. Somebody say well-being. So when we talk about giving, it's an opportunity to promote the spiritual well-being of others. Well-being of others. He says, especially be a blessing to those in the household of God. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. I'm a giver and I'll forever be a giver. My greatest joy from giving comes when I see transformation of lives. That I gave a seed and the seed has brought joy and hope to someone. That is my greatest joy. My greatest joy in giving is not the harvest of giving. Yeah. My greatest joy in giving is not the harvest that returns per se. But the joy that I, who am I, that God has given me capacity to make a difference in another person's life. Am I communicating here? That's it. As you have opportunity, how does the opportunity to give comes? Number one, every time we gather before God. Somebody say, every time we gather before God. Yeah. When we gather before God like this, it's an opportunity to give. 
Every time we gather before God, 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 God gives us a unique opportunity to give every time we gather before God. Psalm 96 verse 8, when we gather for worship, the Bible says, give to the Lord the glory due on his name. Bring an offering and come into his cause. Now you are ready to worship. Verse 9, he said, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Every time you gather before God, every time, every time, every time, every time, you join service online, it's the time to give. I'm not communicating. The service you have joined is incomplete until you have offered unto God. It's easy for you to offer your time. It's easy to offer your data. But it's very difficult to offer your money. And where your heart truly is, is revealed by your money. You can't come to God in worship with your heart when your money is not involved. Am I communicating here? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And in the book of Isaiah, he says, Many of you draw nigh me with your mouths, but your heart are far removed. How will your heart be involved? When your seed is there. Am I communicating here? Understand this. God is wiser and smarter than all of us. And he's declared it plainly how it is done. Every time we gather before God. When the Israelites were moving. There were three major feasts they were to observe. The feast of unleavened bread. Which is the feast of Passover. The feast of Pentecost. Which is also known as the feast of weeks. The feast of harvest. And the feast of the first fruits. And then of course they also had the feast of the ingathering. Or the feast of tabernacles. Now, at all of these feasts, God said, Every time you appear, none should appear before me empty. Exodus chapter 23, verse 14 to 15. Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. Then he says, You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat the unleavened bread seven days as I commanded at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. When we come to feast at the feet of God, when we come to feast on the word of God, we are obliged not to come what? We are obliged not to come what? That's the first one. Number two, the second is when you have a special kingdom advancement opportunity. In your lifetime, God will give you opportunities to advance his kingdom. There are special moments that God will give you, such as he gave the children of Israel in the wilderness. They were going in the wilderness and he said, all of a sudden, I want a tabernacle to dwell in. So he told Moses, call the people, let them bring me an offering. And immediately the Bible said, everyone that was willing, Exodus 25 verse 1 and 2, Exodus 25, 1 and 2, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the children of Israel. So when you are in church and your pastor comes to tell you, this is what the spirit of God is laying on my heart to do, is an opportunity for you. Praise God. It's an opportunity for you. And for most of the time, for this church and all our branches, before that kind of opportunity comes, I have already jumped into it. Yeah, I've already jumped into it. Before I came to tell you that, give a sacrificial seed for Petit Church. I had planted $2,000 myself. I had planted it in before. Pastor Champon is here. I gave him the check before the service. Even that, we couldn't give him the check. I didn't even know. That's what we do. I don't teach people how to live. I show them how to live. I leave it and you follow me. He says, let them bring it willingly. With the heart, you shall take the offering. With the heart, you shall take the offering. Number three, when you see or hear of a need. When you see, somebody say, when you see. Uh -huh. When you see or hear of a need, that is an opportunity. When you see, number three, when you see or hear of needs in church, 
in a family, a friend or your pastor, a need you can meet. Anytime you see a need like that. It could be a need in the church. It can be a need in someone's life. It can be a need in your pastor's life. Once you see the need and God gives you the capacity to, it's your opportunity. Somebody say it's your opportunity. See it like that. Come to church, you see that uh, they don't have a pulpit. God must speak to you. See it as an opportunity. I remember some time ago, Mandy came to me. She wanted to buy a carpet or something on the altar. That purple carpet we used to hear. She bought it. One gentleman, he just spoke to me and said, Papa, I want to face the stage. He saw a need. He saw that the stage was not looking like the way it ought to look. And the Bible says, make the feet of his tabernacle glorious. And it costs money. <laughs> he fixed it. You can meet a need in church and God will not visit you. Am I communicating here? One day, there was one man whose child was sick. God said, and they went to him, they said, listen, as for this one, if you won't help anybody, help this one. And Jesus, of all people, stopped what he was doing and went to attend to the person. The Bible says, seek ye first. You see, the larger your heart for God and his kingdom, the larger your scope in life. If you want to expand and be all that God will the first place to start from, those of you who are dreaming of super success, you want to be a millionaire, listen, develop a bigger heart for God. Develop what? A bigger heart for God. When God knows that he can trust you with a billion dollars, he will give it to you cheaply. Am I communicating here? He will give to you cheaply. But when he is not a priority in your life, he will be giving you mercy drops. That shall not be your testimony. The Bible says in the book of 1 John 3, 17, it says, when you see whoever has this world's goods, you have capacity, you have capacity, and you see his brother in need. So you have capacity. You've seen a brother come to church, and every time you see him, he's not wearing any descent, they say, and you have clothes you have kept in the wardrobe. I don't know whether it's for show or for antique. You are trying to prepare antique shop or whatever. But see a need. And you shut your bars of compassion. That's an opportunity. You see, how come you are the one who saw it? How come that of all men you are the one who saw it? Am I communicating somebody here? Yeah. God doesn't bring things our way. God doesn't make us hear things by heart. There are some things, if God does not need you to participate in it, he will not let you hear it. Am I communicating here? You won't hear it. You won't hear it. And of course, doing special events with guest ministers. You see, for a long time in our church, we had the culture of not receiving often during special events. And when I saw this scripture and the Holy Ghost began to speak to me about the fact that giving is a glorious opportunity, I stopped it. And so I said, when the guest minister comes, as he is prompted of God, I release him. Because see, every time we receive a guest minister, there is something special they bring in. There is something God has destined to release to someone. And it comes through diverse ways. It comes through the teaching of the word. It comes through various impartations. And it comes through your opportunity to give a seed. Somebody say an amen. amen. Look, Matthew chapter 10 verse 7. Jesus sent them. He said, go and announce. Go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Give me verse 9. He said, go. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure the lepers. Give freely as you have received. Now go to verse 9. Don't take any money in your belts. 
No gold, no silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag. Verse 10. With a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality. Because those who work deserve to be fed. Now look at this verse 11. Whenever you enter a city or a village. Or whenever you enter a church. As a guest minister. Look. He says when you enter. Search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your what? Give it what? Give it your blessing. Give it your blessing. Give it your blessing. Give it your blessing. So, when God sends us men like that, they always come with a certain blessing. And unfortunately, sometimes, some of the people that the blessing was for, they allow them to carry it away. When I saw that, I said, no. I'll actually take time and teach you how to receive a guest minister. When a guest minister comes, if he's a prophet, he may not minister to everybody. But everybody can partake of the grace and the blessing he brought. Everybody, everybody, every time the old man comes here, he, no matter what he does, everybody is your opportunity to partake of a unique grace he's bringing in your life. And your posture, your positioning will affect it. And that's what will be helping you to know. When the Sunamite woman seized Elijah and kept him in his house, Elijah was not needful. We are not told Elijah went to the woman and said, I need a place to stay. No, 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 no. no. Then the man who knows the anointing he carried. Anointed people are not beggarly people. That's why sometimes people don't give to anointed people. Because they, they naturally want them to come and beg them. No. No, no. All things were made by the anointing. Nothing was made without the anointing. The anointing is superior. The Bible says that uh, moreover, the less is blessed of the better. The anointing. The anointing. It makes all the difference. He said, give us a place. He prepared a small room for him. The very night he slept there. Look at that with me. Second Kings chapter 4 verse 7. It happened on the day. Second Kings chapter 4 verse 11, please. Verse 11. It happened one day that he came there and he turned in in the upper room and lay down there. It was a room he had made for the man. When he lay down there, verse 12, he said, Gehazi, call the Shunammite for me. When he called her, she stood before him. It was when he lay down in the room. When the prophet was passing every day, nothing happened. You see, spiritual things cannot be understood with natural mind. That's why a lot of people stay in church and they are not traveling because they are thinking natural. They are reasoning natural. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. He said, the day he lay down there, immediately, he said, call. What Elijah didn't need set the stage for what the woman needed. Elijah didn't need a place to stay. But the woman needed a prophetic release from the man of God. And when she created the atmosphere, that word came. And within a period of nine months, said, you see, certain things will not happen until a word is spoken. The Bible said in the beginning was the word and the word was the God. All things were made by. And without him, through faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do so appear. When the word goes forth, your word is ready to be formed. You didn't hear me. I said, when the word goes forth, your word is ready to be formed. When the word goes forth, when the word goes forth, your word is ready to be formed. When the woman Azarafat, she met Elijah. First Kings 17, 10 to 16. He met Elijah. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed the widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now look at this. <laughs> I pray God will give someone understanding. 
I said I pray God will give you understanding because this is too deep. It's like Jesus, Pastor James, standing by the well and asking the Samaritan woman for water. What a paradox. Who should be asking who for water? The one who made the world and everything that is in will now come to the created being. The creator is asking the created being for water. What was it about? He said, later on, it became clear to the woman. He said, if you knew the one who is standing before you, you will ask him for the water that endures. Please take your seat. He came to the woman and said, please give me some water to drink. Water, Elijah asked for water. For what? You, Elijah, you are the one, the last time I checked in the news, I heard that you are prayed and the heavens have closed the heavens. So there's no water. And the reason why there's no water is because of your prayer. Now, if you could pray for rain not to come, can't you pray for rain to come? Why should you come to me for water? If you listen to the woman, the woman was at the point of dying. Look at it. And she was going to get it. And when he called to her, he said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12. Hey, she said, as the Lord thy God lives, I like this, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of things that I may go and I may go and what? For myself and my son, that we may eat and we may eat and we may eat and that's so why she was at the point of death. This is her last point. I mean, you see, there are some things that at the early stages of ministry I was very concerned, but as I mature in the things of the spirit, I have lost every element of concern because sometimes I realize that when you allow your concern and your feeling for people, you will never release them into what God has done for them. If Elijah looked at the woman by face and said, you are a widow, why will I now collect your food? If I collect it now, what would the news media say? That that prophet, he collected the woman, her last meal. Is that not how you think naturally? That's how you think naturally. And for a lot of us, even in church, that's how we think. That's how we think. That's how we think. But listen, when God gives you an opportunity to give and leave, don't eat and die. When God gives you an opportunity to eat and leave, don't eat and die. God did not send Elijah to the woman for Elijah. God sent Elijah to the woman for the woman. You didn't understand that. I said, God did not send Elijah to the woman because Elijah had need. The woman rather had need and God needed to use Elijah to release her faith for her needs to be met. Look at it. Elijah said, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make a small cake first for me. It's like the first fruit. Bring it first to me. And then to make it for yourself. And after all, make some for yourself and your son. This is a faith command. I mean, something that, according to the woman's calculation, it was just enough for her and her son. Then the prophet said, go, make it for me first. And then the rest, it will still be enough. Make it for you and your child. And then go on. For that saith the Lord. Huh? That's the word he needed. You see, when you are spiritual, you go for the word. Spiritual people will always release their faith for the word. Can somebody shout an amen? amen. When you are dry, when you are in a tight place, when you don't know what to do, what you need is a word from God. And when that word is released and your faith comes alive, every other thing falls in place. He said, the bean of the oil shall not be used, nor shall the jar of the oil dry until the Lord sends rain on the earth. And look at verse number 15. So she went and did according to the word of the Lord. And she and her household ate for many days. 
Many days. Somebody say many days. Verse 16. Many days. According to the word of God spoken by the mouth of Elijah. Verse 17. Now it happened after these things. Every other thing fell in place. Please be spiritual. Be what? That's why I've been looking at living as a spiritual man. Because the life of a spiritual man is different from a natural man altogether. You can get some results in the natural. But I'm telling you, when you really learn how to engage the supernatural, eh, your results will be far abounding. It will exceed everyone's other results. When you engage the supernatural. The reason why sometimes our lives are ordinary, and it looks like we are operating like ordinary people, unbelievers seem to be doing more than that, is because we don't engage what we have well. When we understand it and we engage it by faith, we engage the laws of a spirit. I mean, an unbeliever is just looking at figures to make a prediction. Now, listen, you are making an investment or you are an investor. You only look at figures. Which investment one will yield more dividends? That's what an unbeliever does. That's all an unbeliever does. By you who is born again, if you can connect with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can tell you in the next six months, put your money here. And in the next six months, if you put your money where the Holy Spirit tells you to put your money, you can be sure you will come home with anything more than, uh, more than 10 times the profit of it. Why? Because the Spirit of God told you to do so. But here you are. You can't hear the Spirit of God. Here you are. You cannot connect with the Spirit of God. Here you are. Your faith has not been built up to take respond to deeper instructions from God. Here you are. Number five is the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Somebody says the promptings of the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes the Holy Spirit just tells you, do this. Just do this. And I, I was saying in the first of it, if the Holy Spirit does not talk to you about money, you have to pray and say, Holy Spirit, I want to hear your voice. Because most of the time we want to hear the Holy Spirit. But the first thing the Holy Spirit usually uses, the common thing he uses to talk to us is money. Because money has a way to our hearts. So, when you can listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit when he speaks, and I tell you, I heard it many years ago, it registered in my spirit, Dr. Sego, and it has helped me a lot. He says, Satan will never tell you to give. So, when you hear a voice to give a certain seed, it's not coming from the devil. Don't bind it. It's not his nature to give. It's not his nature to give. I heard that and it helped me. Later on, I saw from scripture in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So Satan doesn't give to people, he takes from people. Usually he will bet them with something small. You know, how many of you have used a line and a hook to fish before? Those of you who stayed in the village like myself, you know, or you have created an artificial pond around you. You put a bait on it, usually it's a worm. You put on it. <laughs> you are giving it to the fish, but it's really not for the fish. You are using it to bait the fish. That's what Satan does. He gives to people to bait them. And when he has fully gotten them, so the Bible says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You shall not be destroyed. Amen. I said you shall not be destroyed. Amen. I said you shall not be destroyed. Amen. Let me close by walking you through four ways to maximize the opportunity to give. Four ways. Somebody say four ways. Number one, don't deny yourself or others the opportunity to give. Don't deny yourself or others the opportunity to give. I realized that in the ministry of Jesus, he was very concerned about anyone who attempted to stop somebody from giving. Don't deny yourself. You remember when the woman with the alabaster box, hear me, 
that woman saved a whole year's salary. So, 12 months, if it's uh, $12,000, that is it. If it's 24,000 cities, that was it. A whole year's salary. And then use it to buy something very precious and brought it. When he brought it, Judah said, what, what I'm telling you is from John chapter 12, verse 3 to 8. Judah said, why this waste? Then the woman took a very costly, somebody say costly. Look at it, costly. Costly oil of spark night anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped it with it. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Verse 4. And Judas, somebody say Judas. One of his disciples, his name is mentioned, Judas. Simon, who betrayed, said, look at what he said. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 dinars and given to the poor? He knows the price. He checked it out. Check it out already. Why was it not sold? And given to the poor. 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 There are some people, eh? They only think about the poor when it's time for you to eat. Yeah. They only think about the poor. And let me tell you, sometimes close your eyes and eat. Can I give somebody advice? Sometimes close your eyes and eat. You didn't create the poor. And you cannot uncreate the poor. Poor people will always be there. In your family, there will be always poor people. Because there are poor people in your family, you shouldn't drive a certain car. Because there are poor people in this country, we should not wear a certain clothes. Listen, if you live like that, very soon you'll be naked. Yeah, because, because you cannot. Jesus understood this. He told them, listen, the poor will always be there. Always be there. Every time churches get into something, the first they complain is, why are we not thinking about the poor? Is that not what they say? Why are we not thinking about the poor? Why are we not thinking about the poor? No government has answer to poverty. Am I communicating here? Because poverty is multifaceted. Poverty is created by multifaceted factors. And no government has the capacity to eliminate all the factors. The principal factor in poverty is the human being. The human factor. Until that human factor is changed. Nothing changes. When you give somebody money, you have not empowered him to be rich. But when you change a person's mentality, you have empowered him to create wealth. Am I complicating here? So I can give you $100,000, but all your mind is spent, 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 spent. You can't enter into prosperity like that. Jesus, one day he was receiving offering. It was shocking that Jesus collected offering from a poor widow. Let me tell you something. You see, widows in Israel were the most unfortunate people on the planet. Because, you see, during the time of Jesus, if you were a widow, a widow was somebody, uh, women were not allowed to work, really. And so you depended on your husband for everything. So marriage, for them, it was an economic transaction. It was not just an emotional transaction. It was an economic transaction. We marry so that we can be taken care of. So when you read the book of Timothy, he says, the widows that have no children, let them be taken care of by the church. Because widows were helpless. And Jesus of all people, that's what helped me. And I changed my mentality. Because there were certain people that sometimes, if they give me offering, I'll just give it back to them. I, I stopped it when I saw that. Because I look at you, schoolboy, what do you have that you are giving me offering? But I realized that I'm a channel of the anointing of God to flow into people's life. When I caught that, I stopped it. Jesus received the widow's offering. 
not only received the widow's offering, he used it to preach. He used it to preach. Today, social media, I saw for a member there, uh, they, are, they are just collecting, they are making the poor. Is that not what they say? They are making the poor. They are make, has government stopped taxing the poor? You see? When you are not spiritual, you think vain thoughts. You think vain thoughts. If you look at pastors and the transformation they are bringing into people's lives, they are much more than what government is doing. The way the economy of most African nations have gone, but for strong churches, that speaks hope into the lives of people. Week after week, what happened at the Middle East, the Arab Spring, would have taken place the whole of Africa. Because people are really struggling. But the message of hope, the gospel that is going forth, gives people a better hope and a greater future. That's what is restraining people from taking the law into their own hands and messing things up. So the church is the last thing that should ever be attacked under any circumstance. I've not met a spiritual Christian who insults pastors and speaks against the church. He's a kind of Christian. Or he may not be saved at all. If you are saved, you are born again, you will always rise to defend pastors and the church. Am I communicating? You will always... One of the things that shows that you are carnal, you are not spiritual, you are not born again, is when you speak, open your mouth to any anger. 360, 180, you are speaking against pastors. Jesus looked at it, collected it, and then used her as an illustration. Why? Because the opportunity to give is not limited to the rich. It's given to the poor, it's given to the rich. Everybody! Why? Because everybody is expected to manifest God's nature. Everybody, whether you are poor or you are rich, you are supposed to manifest who? God's nature. And God's nature is a given nature. So you can't use your poverty as an excuse not to manifest who you are in Christ. Am I communicating? Am I communicating at all? I'm generous. That's my nature in Christ. Am I communicating here? Yeah. I walk in love. That's my nature in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God. That's my nature in Christ. And nothing would let me redefine that. Am I communicating here? Get that, get that, get that. Jesus rebuked Peter and told him, he said, leave her alone. Go back there, go back there. John chapter 12 verse 8, he said, leave her alone. This is Jesus' own mouth, leave her alone. Give me John 12, 8, leave her alone. Somebody say, leave her alone. Verse 7 says, leave her alone. 8 says, Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. This is an uncommon opportunity for this woman. Because of all the many people around me, none of them noticed that my day of burial, I need this kind of preparation before my day of burial. And this woman just stepped in at the right time to do what is required. Let her know. Then look at that. He said, the poor you will always have with you. Whatever time you want, you can do whatever you want to do. You see, there are certain opportunities eh? you will never get them always. You will never. There are a lot of people who have died with great estate, great wealth, and all they wish they could do. Some of them actually wrote in their way what their money should be used for. But the moment they died, some foolish man took over and decided the money should be used for something else. That's why wise people, they see where their money is going in their lifetime. Wise people, they invest their money before they die. Am I communicating here? John D. Rockefeller was about to die. He had been given a sentence of death cancer also. And then, 
he was given a few months to die. I think the first American billionaire. This man said, if I'm going to die, I might see what my money is doing before I die. So he established a foundation to be a blessing to the body of Christ and to a lot of people. When he did that, he began to live longer than the doctors gave him. Because when you live to give life to others, God will make sure that he keeps you alive for a long time. Because your death means... No, look, 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 look at this. Look at this. Look at this story. Look at this story in the book of Acts. There was a woman by the name of Dorcas. Dorcas died. Dorcas died. Dorcas died. In the book of Acts, Dorcas died. She died. She died. She died. And when she died, there were too many people around. They say, if Dorcas is dead, we must also die. Because when Dorcas is dead now, we are as well as dead. We are better off dead than being alive. She is our source, she is our hope, she is our everything. If Dorcas is no more, we are no more. Then the Bible said, they called Peter. And when Peter came, see there are some people, even in death, their seed will speak for them. There's, there's a certain, there's a, a unique, uncommon part. I know people, he used to tell me, every time I'll do this, I'll do this. I'll, those are people I don't trust. Oh. Do, I want to see what you are doing now. Then I can have faith in you for what you will do tomorrow. Don't tell me what you will do tomorrow when you have done nothing today. Because the only opportunity you have is today. The only thing you have control over is today. Am I communicating to somebody here? The only thing, if you are going to make anything significant for God, while you are alive, hear me and hear me well. You can only do it now, not another time. When a gentleman died, he said, now I have five brothers who are in the world. I want you to send and rescue them. Abraham told him it's too late. When you die, you don't give instructions to those who are alive. So number one, I said, don't deny yourself the opportunity or deny others the opportunity to do so. When somebody speaks to you about wanting to do something, if you are not involved, then discourage him. Am I communicating? Because there are some people like that. A gentleman came to see me. They said, God has told him to do something for Pastor Chamba. I said, go ahead and do it. He needed the information. I organized the information for him. And he went ahead and he created the opportunity. Allow people to be blessed around him. Create it. He doesn't even know that I'm the one who gave him the information. When the person brought whatever he brought, it worked perfectly. And he didn't know that I was the source of the information. Praise the Lord. They looked at me. <laughs> so the first one is don't deny. Somebody say don't deny. So in this new face, you will never see me. When a preacher comes, he's free. He ministers. When he calls for an offering and you can't give, nobody's forcing you to come forward. But we will not use your poverty mentality, stingy, tight-fisted hands to rob people of the blessing that they need. Am I communicating here? The only time Paul pleaded with any church was because he robbed them of the opportunity to give. He told them, give me 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. I think that's where it is. Bandi Bokosha. Do you get less of God than any of the other churches? This is Paul. He said, did you get anything less? The only thing you got less of me was the responsibility for my upkeep. Because you were supposed to have been responsible for my upkeep. But I decided that I'm going to shoulder that burden and leave you off it. The moment he did that, he said, that's when, I'm sorry, forgive me for depriving you. For depriving what? For depriving, I can never be in a church where my money is not talked about. Yeah. 
I can never be in a church. A church where the pastor doesn't talk about money, doesn't preach about money. I mean, that is the thing that is controlling everybody's life. There are only two forces on the planet. It's not Satan and God. It's money and God. You shall serve God or mammon. So if mammon has not been dethroned from your heart, how can God take place in your heart? Are you with me this morning? And number two, prepare and expect to give. Prepare. Somebody say prepare. Prepare, 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 prepare. When you come to church, come to church, prepare to give an offering. Don't come to church and borrow money from somebody to give. That is a, a mark of a lazy Christian who did not prepare himself to go to church. Prepare. 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 This woman, one year she was saving, 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 saving. Only to buy a precious and then she looked for an opportunity. Somebody say, look for an opportunity. Yeah, look for an opportunity. Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to 9. This woman, Jesus was in Bethany. Jesus was not, this woman was not invited. Mark 14, 3 to and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of oil. She was not invited. Because she had been looking for that opportunity for a long time. Bible uh, historians and theologians, some of them believe that this is Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute out of whom Jesus cast out seven demons. This woman. She had been looking for this opportunity because of her former life. Nobody would give her a dog's chance. But one day, when everybody was relaxed and they were eating, those who would be drunk were drunk. But the time they said, Jack, the woman has smuggled herself into the place. Pour that precious ointment there. And the fragrance filled everywhere. And Jesus was consumed with that fragrance. He says, wow, this woman, you have done something unusual. And when you go to verse number 9, let's go to verse 9. He said, as surely I said to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done, what a golden opportunity she didn't miss. What a golden opportunity she didn't miss. Listen, when we get to the other side, that's when God will show us a lot of opportunities we missed. When we get to the other side, that's when you know. When a certain announcement was made in church. When you are set up money for a particular thing. And the Holy Spirit specifically spoke to you. Let it go for this purpose. And you held on to it. The opportunity you missed. Uh, you see, our going to heaven is not by works. Last week I heard that some, some people had a difficulty accepting that theology. Listen, it's not a, something you should have a difficulty with. Because people will still cry in heaven. Even in heaven. The reason why people will cry in heaven was the various golden opportunities God gave them but they didn't utilize. That's why people will cry in heaven. That's why people... But for the born again child of God, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are already saved. Heaven is your place. It's not a prayer point. I said it's not what? A prayer point. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have confessed him as your Savior. It's not your holiness that's taking you there. Nobody has ever been holy enough to enter heaven. Nobody. The only person who could enter was Christ. And we are in him, so we enter through him. Those who are hoping that you enter heaven through your good works, you will go there and meet him by yourself. And when the scale is lifted and the measuring scales begin to pick it up, we will see where your good works will lie. That's what the Bible says in the New Testament. All he says in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Because it's only in Christ. Only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we stand. 
not by our human endeavor. Only by grace can we stand in Christ alone. My hope is found. That is a place and that is a place alone. But when you get there, the golden opportunities you missed. Praise God. The golden opportunities. The golden opportunities. A life that could have been saved. A family that could have been saved. A church that could have been built. But you refused to release. You held on to things of mortal value. You held on to things that have no eternal value. You exalted material things over things of eternal value. That's what we show. He said, what this woman has done. Wherever the gospel is preached, her name shall be mentioned. That's what I'm preaching about her today. And I'm not the only person who preaches about her. Many other people are doing so. And it will continue to be so till Christ returns. Can somebody say an amen? amen? Number three, be spiritually sensitive. Somebody is spiritually sensitive. I realize that when it comes to giving, the reason why a lot of people miss it is carnality and spiritual insensitivity. You go to church, you are in a meeting and an offering is being received and some people are talking. When the offering is being received, when the man of God is receiving, you are sitting there talking, you are revealing your carnality, you have already been cut off from it. When you are in a spiritual atmosphere, hear me, hear me, hear me where? When you come into a spiritual atmosphere, everything that is going on there, be involved. Even if you don't like the person doing it, be involved. And if you don't want to be involved, don't speak against it. Because the moment you speak against it, you set yourself up for destruction. You set yourself, you cut yourself off. You are involved and fully engrossed for that matter. When you go there, a few references I've given there. How Abraham noticed a given opportunity. Abraham, he saw it. Three people came to him. Daylight. He said, hey, it is me, oh, Abraham, father of faith, you have come to. Today you stay in my house. He brought them home, gave them food to eat. When they finished, they said, where is your wife? Where is what? Where is your wife? How did they know? How would they have asked Abraham that kind of question if Abraham had not brought them home? Where is your wife? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife? <laughs> Then the woman heard it and laughed. These guys, what are they coming to say? Where is your wife saying? Where is your wife saying? But there, the moment she came, he said, listen, <laughs> we didn't come to eat. <laughs> we are supernatural beings walking about. There's a need in this house. And because you guys hosted us, <laughs> that need is supernaturally sorted out. According to the time of life, it happened. Thank God for spiritual women. Thank God for spiritual women. A woman that releases a husband to give. Also, one of the greatest blessings you can have is a woman who allows you to give. Men's capacity to give is higher. Women are naturally receivers. So, we give them a sperm and then they keep it. Then they, they produce a baby out of it. That's what women do. They receive. But men have capacity to give. The average man who is spiritual has greater capacity to give than a woman. But most of the time, women can also stop their husbands and their family people from entering into a certain dimension of blessing because they are too concerned. Women are always concerned. What about the future? What about our land? What about our house? All of the, By the time they bring you all of those things, you will change your mind. Am I communicating here? Thank God for this wife. Mommy is a blessing. 
Because the kind of money I have sunk into this work. Personal money. Personal money I have given into this work. If she was obsessed with material things. This, that, 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 that. No, no. Because that thing, in fact, that money could have done a lot of things for us comfortably. Sometimes, even some things in the house. I told you a couple of weeks. For a long time, we stayed in our house. The house was so bad, I was not even noticing it. Until Deacon Humphrey and his wife came to the house one time for some visit. And they saw that, they felt the house was so dirty. So they brought paint and came and painted the house. Because I didn't see it. My mind was not there. And there was no pressure from mommy as it were. Am I complicating here? The woman looked at this time. He said, my husband, listen. See this prophet who is passing by. Let's give him food to eat. Let's build a house. And then, this was a very spiritual woman. It's not a proposal from the man that the wife is pushing away. It's a proposal from the woman. This may more Abigail's right from this commission. Now, let me tell, let me tell you. When, when God brings you certain opportunities, don't joke with them. He says, let us. And the man said, do it. The moment they did it, Elijah began to speak. Elijah began to speak. Now, let me show you a scripture about this. Matthew chapter 27, verse 56. This man, we didn't hear much about him, but here we heard about him. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea, named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. This was not one of the ordinary disciples. The first time we heard about him, look at this. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. May God give us men and women who ask for the body. They are not asking for a house, they are asking for the body. The church, give me the church. I want to be there for the church. I want to give my time for the church. I want to give my life for the church. I want to give my seed for the church. Give me the body. This time, the body was not producing anything for anybody. Because the body was dead. The body that used to do miracles, that body was not doing miracles anymore. The body was dead and the disciples that he poured himself into were far away. Now hear me, this is how sometimes some people can be close to an anointed person and yet not be imparted by the anointing. This man was dead. Peter, where are you? Peter, nowhere to be found. No show. Because money was now needed and he didn't have it. That's why I also don't like poor people around me. I bless poor people, I give to them. But I will keep on challenging you to move from your poverty level. But if you choose to stay there, the gap will widen between me and you. I always saw my pastors, what I do, how I live my life. DS is to choose to either follow or not to follow. I can't force me. Am I communicating here? He says, give me the body. And Pilate ordered that to be given to him. Look at this. Verse 59. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Verse 60. And placed it in his own new tomb. How did he know it? This is a very spiritual man. He had prepared the tomb before the day of Jesus' burial. In other words, he had targeted the tomb for a long time, awaiting for that opportunity. Three o'clock, no show. Five o'clock, the body was still there. And it was the Sabbath. He looked, he said, wow, Father, thank you that at last I'm the only person who is seen this. I'm the only person who has the capacity to do this. I'm going to do it. He went ahead and did it. That's why we read about him today. He is considered a disciple. Not because he was among those who cast out devils. But he's a disciple because his money made a difference. I pray that in this house, we will have disciples whose money will make a difference. I pray that in this church, 
God will raise you as one of those unique disciples whose money will make a difference. Can somebody give me a believing amen? Give me a believing amen. Take your seat. It is only when it is in your heart, God will give it in your hands. Finally, embrace it as a privilege and be thankful for it. Embrace it as what? A privilege and be thankful for it. Don't sow a seed and go complaining. The moment you do that, you didn't see that it was a privilege. Don't sow a seed and go complaining. The moment you do that, you fail to see it as a privilege. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. This is my last test. Now I want you to know brothers and sisters what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. Now look at this. They are being tested by many troubles. Somebody say many troubles. <laughs> and they are very poor. Please look at this. This is the CV of people who are going to give. They are very poor. They have troubles and they are poor. So the troubles they have is different from their poverty. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. The trouble and the poverty is different. And they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed with rich generosity. This, it takes the nature of God for you to have this kind of experience. When you are broke, and you want to help somebody who is broken, no, no, you have to. You have to. Because the average person right now, if I said, I want to give five people $10,000, even if you have $100,000 in your account, and you don't need it, you will see that by default, you raise your hand. Yeah, by default, you raise your hand. And it's a mindset. It's a certain mindset. You have to grow up to a certain level to know that I don't say amen to every prayer. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Because there are some people whom that $5,000 is a matter of life and death. You, it will just be additional luxury for you. But it just tells you how we are quick to receive and slow to give. Except for I testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Poor people giving far more. How? And they did it of their own free will. Why do they do it of their own free will? Because they saw it as a privilege. Verse 4, they saw it as what? A privilege. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift believers in Jerusalem. I pray that this church will grow to that level. Where giving will be to us a privilege. When you do things for someone, God gives you the opportunity to do something for someone, for your leader, for a friend. See it as a privilege because that's what it is. That's what it is because God could have used anybody at all to do it. Are you with me here? You see, the reason why you are seeing yourself pompous and you see that a certain acknowledgement should be given you, your name should be tagged somewhere, is because you think that you are the only person God could have used. And that is when you begin to have problems. God, God could have used a thousand and one people. He told Elijah, Elijah, don't fool yourself. The seat you are sitting on, I have 7,000 men who can sit on that seat comfortably. So if I've given you the opportunity out of 7,000 people to sit first on it, you better humble yourself and sit on it. Am I communicating here? When you understand that it's a privilege, you will always be different. And also, to usher people into God's presence is a privilege. To lead people in singing in church 
it's a privilege. You must not be bad. You must not be uh, applauded. If you are applauded, thank God for it. If you are not applauded, the privilege of standing before the king of kings is enough. Am I complicated here? You, you must always think in terms of privilege, 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 privilege. You are close to an anointed man. It's a privilege. You are married to an anointed man. It's a privilege. Am I complicating here? Don't take it for granted at all. A lot of people lose valuable things because they think it's their right. And in this dispensation of democracy, where our rights, including foolish rights like LGBTQ+, in this dispensation, you can be claiming rights that will destroy you. Because that's the era we live in. We live in an era where nations, leaders can give people rights, even when the right will destroy them. I pray that God will give you understanding. Pastor Afroakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi. Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you.